morning. If you have a Bible handy, won't you please turn with me to Psalm 77. Psalm 77. That's where we're going to be studying throughout this morning. I want to go ahead and welcome all of our visitors this morning. It is a joy to have you all worship with us. We always enjoy getting to meet new people and see new faces, excited about worshiping the Lord. And if you wouldn't mind, just stick around a little bit after service so we can get to know you a little better. Psalm 77. Now, this is a little bit of a longer reading, so if you'll follow along with me, we're going to start at verse 1 and read through the whole thing. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. And the night of my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years of long ago. I said, let me remember my song in, my night, in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings, your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. This psalm is directed at someone who is troubled. They've had a hard time lately and they need answers. It's written by Asaph, which through all my studies and looking to figure out who that was, I figured out all it was was a choir master of Israel, someone to direct the thoughts and songs of the people of Israel. And here he is questioning if God is actually with him. I think there are times where we have these very same feelings, where stress from our life gets to us and gets to us, and it makes us ponder, is, is God really with us? Does he actually hear my prayers? Does he truly show his love in my life? And our stress just builds and builds, and those questions come out, and we seek answers. And sometimes we seek answers in other places than God. We seek answers through sports, where that may even stress us out even more because our team just may not do well in the last two minutes of a game. Sometimes we seek help out in, this, in the form of food or comfort, and that, will, that may end up stressing us out because then we might realize we become unhealthy and we focus on something entirely different than what we should be focusing on. When we look at this psalm, Asaph gives us direction of what we're supposed to be doing or how we should handle trouble and stress. In fact, when we look at his questions, when we look at his trouble, his fears, there's no sense of it's bad to have these questions. 
There's no understanding here by the, by the writer that I shouldn't be having these thoughts or these doubts because of what's going on in my life. Rather, it's a, I'm having these thoughts, now let me fix it. Let me seek an answer, a help, so that I can get along. And what we see he turns to is in the latter part of his writing. He turns to God, but not just an idea of God. No, he turns to what God has done in history. He understands through what has been written by the people before him that God has helped Israel out of its distress. That God, without being seen, spread the waters of the Red Sea and allowed his people to leave Egypt. You see, Asaph, in his troubles, seeks comfort in God's might. This is all supposed to fit on that white square. But Asaph seeks comfort because of God's might. He doesn't look at himself. He doesn't look at anything he might take pleasure in on earth. He looks at the true comfort, the comfort of God's might. When we look at Asaph, it's interesting to me when we see how he describes his trouble. Look with me in the beginning of the psalm. In verse 1, he says, I cry out to God, aloud to God. He mentioned his wife that he is exclaiming to God out loud. This isn't just in his head. He's in such a state that he is praying out loud to God, even if no one else can hear him. But in his troubles, he's crying out to God and he's stretching out his hand, asking for an answer, looking for something to receive from God. And his hand doesn't grow weary because he's not going to put it down until he gets an answer, until he gets comfort. He's unable to sleep. If you look in verse 4, you all hold my eyelids open. His stress is holding him open. He's unable to speak. Because of his trouble. His stress is there. It's real. And it's hard. And he's seeking his answer. We have this same understanding. And while our idea of trouble or stress differentiates throughout our ages, when we were kids we might have been troubled or, or, troubled or stressed because of we haven't gotten our food yet. Or we can't go outside when mom and dad tells us that. And then when we grow up, our trouble and stress then turns to, how am I going to make ends meet? How am I going to take care of my family? How are the people around me going to get to heaven? Our stress and trouble grows and matures as we do. But there's still an answer. But there are two main ideas or thoughts that come out of this passage, and that's what I want to pull for us today. Look again with me, and we're going to start reading again in verse 1. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night of my hand, in the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. My, when I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at the end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Asaph is troubled, and his trouble directs his doubt or his questions. And so what we can understand is that the same thing goes for us. Trouble might cause our doubts. 
My troubles can cause my doubts in my own faith. Because when we're troubled, our questions arise from our faith. If I'm trusting in God, then why isn't he hearing me? If I'm listening and praying to God, why isn't he answering me? Sometimes those questions come because of our trials. If God loves me so much, if I am truly God's disciple, why is he making me endure this sickness? Why is he making me watch my loved ones struggle? Does God actually care about me? And our troubles build and build, and our questions continue to build. Asaph's questions mostly focus on God's love. Has his love ceased? Has he forgotten about his people? Is his love covered by his anger? I think oftentimes our troubles can cause us to question that same love that God has. That we read about so often in the Bible and yet sometimes it's clouded because we're struggling with different temptations and trials on this earth. And when we think about what troubles we might be facing, it's easy to name a few. We might be facing, facing troubles of sickness. The people we love are dealing with cancer or surgeries. And there's a fear that comes from that that what if that takes them? What if the cancer makes them deteriorate so rapidly that there's no help? What if that surgery goes wrong and they're not like they used to be? And we start to imagine all these things that might befall our loved ones and our doubts creep in because we're troubled and stressed by the idea of sickness or surgery. Sometimes our troubles are temptations. We constantly face temptations from Satan, and again and again we think we're overcoming and overcoming, and then what happens when we fail? What happens when we fall to temptation and we, under, we look around and we think, well, I just wasn't good enough. And because I'm not good enough to overcome this temptation, then I'm not good enough to overcome any temptation. Clearly, God isn't with me in my temptation to make me better. So why should I even try? And our temptations make, it, make us ask ourselves if our faith is truly worth it to resist and look forward to the reward that is to come. And our temptations can cause troubles and make us doubt in our faith. We can be facing trials at work or at school. At work, we may be having to deal with certain projects or employees. And they may be constantly mocking us because we believe in God. A God that they cannot see, that we cannot see. A God that they have no reason, as they seem, to believe in Him. And it starts to work at us and cut at us. Because what if they're right? What if my faith truly is useless? And we start to be pressured because of the mocking that people give us in school or in our work. Sometimes those trials in school or work are because of a job that we have to do. It's just a difficult job. I think of oftentimes when I had to write papers in college, myself, I would kind of procrastinate, and I would wait and wait. And for history papers, the way you do it is you gather a lot of books, and you have to then scam, or not scam, scan through these books to find information useful to what you're writing about. And for me, if I procrastinated, it means the night before I was up from 8 until four, reading through these books, finding the pertinent chapters that I needed. And it stressed me out because in the back of my mind, I'm sitting there thinking, well, you should have done this earlier. And then I'm also thinking, well, I have no time. I have to get this done, and I have to get it done well. 
and it stresses you out, and jobs can do the same. And that stress can build and build and build, and you can begin to ask, well, why didn't God create me differently? Why didn't he create me with a, a better work ethic or a better time management sense? Our trials at work and at school can cause us to question our doubts. Loss can cause us to question our doubts. Much like sickness, if I lose someone that I love, that I care about, that I've been praying for, well, have those prayers really worked? Were my prayers answered in the sense that I wanted them to? And I begin to question and wonder, well, maybe God didn't hear my prayers. And my stress from what I just lost causes my doubts. These are easy for me to talk about because I've had my share of doubts like these. When my brother was diagnosed with cancer, the first thought in my head was not, oh, well, God has a plan. My first thought was, how could this happen? How could Chandler, someone that I thought was so wonderful and so great and worked so hard for his faith, how could he be diagnosed with something like this? It just doesn't make sense. And there was a time where those doubts really ate at me. And it took a while. It honestly took me looking at my brother and seeing how he handled his situation for me to understand that God still cared, that he was still there. But those doubts still crept in because I'm human. We're all human, and we all have those doubts. These doubts don't always have the same effect, and they don't always look the same. But they always, or most times, respond or make us respond in the same, in different or same ways. We doubt that God is with us, that he has abandoned us to Satan and to temptation, and that we are all alone in this world. We no longer have him by our side. We don't feel his hand in our lives. We don't see him anymore. And we start to wonder if he actually was there ever. And we doubt that God listens. We doubt that he answers our prayers, that he is actually sitting there hearing us when we put forth supplication to him. And we pray and we pray, and seemingly there just seems to be no answer. And my doubts continue to fuel that question. And then again, we, we doubt if God actually loves us. That while God might be there, while he might hear my prayers, maybe the reason he isn't answering me is because he just doesn't love me. That he is so angry with what I've done that he can't love me. And because of these doubts, our faith wavers. And you can see why. These questions all poke at God and if he's truly there with us. And our faith wavers because of that. Because if we're sitting there constantly questioning God and whether he cares about us, cares about us or is with us, then I'm not doing anything to grow my faith. Because there's that question constantly eating at me, does it really matter if God doesn't care about me? And we begin to blame God for the troubles in our lives. And it continues to cause a, a spiral farther and farther down. When you see Asaph, you can see where this is beginning in his life. His questions, especially in verse 6 when he says, let me meditate in my heart. Let me try and remember what I'm worried about. His questions in verse 7, will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Now, I don't know what's going on in Asaph's life to make him question these things. 
But something is very clearly pointing him at God's compassion and God's love. And if he doesn't find an answer, well then we can imagine he might spiral away from God. But there is an answer. There's an answer for Asaph. And there's an answer for us. Look at me again in verse 10, starting there. Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. And we'll stop there for a second. What Asaph is saying is, in order to answer these questions, I'm going to appeal to the many years of testimonies of God. I'm going to look at what He has done. And that'll give me my answer. We'll pick back up in verse 11. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the world. When your lightnings lighted up the world, the earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Asaph flips this psalm on its head. He's gone completely from doubting God and questioning God to praising him for all that he has done. And there we get our answer to how we deal with the troubles we have. God's wondrous deeds comfort my doubts. When I have doubts, when I have troubles, when I have stress, all I need to do is look at what God has done and what has been recorded of him doing. When we're troubled, that's our answer. We turn to God. And yes, we may have questions about what God has done and if he's still with us, but we receive our answer when the very same people in this Bible had those questions and had their answers given to them. And we can understand we are no different than those people. That God still answers us. We may think that God has abandoned us or won't help us in our trials. And when we do, we can look at how God has helped people in the Bible who thought that very same thing. Asaph approaches this by looking at what God has done for his people. God has saved his people. Look at verse, starting in verse 13. Your, God, your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made, your no, made known your might among the peoples. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. He'll continue to talk about the exodus from Egypt. But his idea is very simple. God, you have redeemed your people. You've made known your ways because of what you have done for your people. You are there, and I can trust in that. Like Asaph, we can use these Old Testament stories and examples of people to grow. But we are also given something greater than the Old Testament. The New Testament where we get to read and see Jesus and his apostles. And see the love that God had for us through his Son. We can see Christ and his message of, message of salvation to all mankind. We can see his miracles that he worked and the signs he showed to prove that he is 
indeed the Son of God. And again, we can see his crucifixion and the love he had for his people that pushed him onto that cross. Like Asaph, we have all these evidences of God's glory and God's might and his love. But that's not all we have to go by. You see, when we understand that God does help his people, that God does love his people, we we can begin to see the world through a lens that God is with us. We can understand that in our prayers to God, while it may not be answered in ways that I seem fit to want, they're still being answered. He's still hearing them. His answer might just be not yet or no. God still loves us. And I can see that through the care that he has for his people. Again, when I go back to my brother, I can understand that God loves us because my brother was able to win his fight against cancer. And while he had doctors, while he had medicine, we can understand that prayers to God helped him. That God heard those prayers. On the flip side of that, I can look to God and understand the love that he has for those he has called home. Because there is no greater reward than to be with God. And that should be our goal for all of us, to be striving for that. I can look to the examples of faith that I have around me and understand that if they can live their lives the way God expects them to and God bless them for it, then God's going to do the same for me. It may look different. It may be different. But God will be with me if I choose to be with him. I can look to the salvation and the joy that God promises all of his people. And how when they commit themselves to him, he dwells in them. And he keeps his promises. And I can understand he keeps his promises because looking throughout the Old Testament, you see so many promises that he has made to his people that are fulfilled in the New Testament. And if he is going to fulfill those promises, then he is going to fulfill the promises he made in the New Testament to me. My troubles cause me doubts, but my doubts should be comforted by looking at God's wondrous might and the deeds that he has shown. Because I am comforted by his deeds because I understand he is still with me. He is with us when I look at what he's done. And if I understand he is with us, then I know I can stand up to temptation. I know that I can overcome. And that while there might be times where I fall and fail, God is still with me. He's still there lifting me back up so that I can face them again and overcome them the next time. When I know God is with me, then there is comfort that I am not alone in what I deal with. I am comforted in my crying out to God, in my prayers to God, because I know that when I cry aloud, much like Asaph does, when my troubles and trials make me faint and cry out to God, I can understand He hears them. And if I know He hears them, then I know He is listening and watching over me, and that his compassion is still in my life. I am comforted because I know God loves his disciples. He loves them enough to sacrifice his son for their salvation. And if I ever do doubt that God's love is still with me, then all I need to do is look to that sacrifice and look to the crucifixion where I can see God's love continually shine through and remind me That he does love me. That even though I am unworthy, God's love still covers me. 
God's mighty deeds comfort me in my times of trouble. There's no question about that. And it's okay as Asaph has to have these questions pop up because that's to be human, to have trials and stress weigh down on you to where you ask God, are you listening? Are you here with me? It's okay to have those. But there's a proper response to that or else we might fall away and slip away from God. And that response is to turn to his deeds, to what he has done in his Bible and the lives of people around us, to see him in everything, and to see how he is still with us. Because if I am not careful to answer my doubts or my questions, if I allow them to grow and fester inside of me, then I might one day fall away. Because my doubts just become too great to overcome. And if I have doubts that cause me to fall away, then I need to be searching diligently for answers to those doubts. So that I can answer them immediately and figure them out as soon as possible. Because if I don't, I have the opportunity to lose my salvation. And if I lose my salvation, then what's really worth it? What is worth losing my salvation? My doubts are going to be there sometimes. But there is an answer for those doubts. Will you pray with me about that? Heavenly Father, we come to you now so thankful for the opportunity we have this morning to open your word and see from, from your examples how you are still with us and how you love us and comfort us. Father, we know that there are going to be times in our lives where troubles stress us out and bring about doubts of our faith, questions about whether you are there or whether you listen to our prayers. And Father, we know that if we do not deal with those doubts, we have a very real issue at our hands that we might fall away from you. Father, we pray that when those doubts do arise and when those troubles do come, we seek answers through your, your works and your deeds that you have shown us. We trust in your love that you've continually shown your people and we understand that you still hear our prayers. Now, your answer might just be different than what we expect. Father, we pray that when those doubts do creep in, those questions do creep in, that we turn to you instead of something else. That we turn to you for our answers and our guidance, much like you guided the people of Israel. Father, we thank you so much for the love that you have shown us through the sacrifice of your son so that we have that opportunity to be with you one day. And it's in his name that we pray. I appreciate your attention this morning. At this time, we'll be dismissed for our classes.